0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: What's going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Duck's Dish Podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's Mark Wang, and we are here for another episode. We got a loaded episode for you guys today, coming at you with our preview podcast. We do these every week ahead of Oregon's game on Saturday, uh, and then today we have Oregon versus BYU. That's the big game that we're going to be hitting on, um, and uh, before we get into today's show, you know we got some people showing up here in, in the comments. We got Gerard, we got Eric. Uh, two very uh, prominent supporters of the show. So if you guys have a question or a comment, definitely head on over to the live chat. Let us know what's on your mind. Float some questions our way, and we will see what we can get to. Uh, but we already have you know, a list of topics that we want to get into today uh, to hit on to kind of give you a good sense of, of where Oregon's at and what a kind of opponent they should be expecting when the number 12 BYU Cougars and Kalani Satake come to Odds Stadium. Mark, my guy, how are we doing? I feel like I was just in the press box with you at Otson, and and now we got another game on our hands.
2: Yep, everything's moving pretty quick. Um, <clears throat> I'm doing pretty good. Real excited to uh, to be talking ducks, and very excited to be getting back up into the press box uh, in a couple days.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, uh, we got a, a show to get to, Mark. So, uh, what do you say? How about we hop right into it? um just a couple of uh you know quick notes uh ahead of this game um the last i checked right before that we hopped on here uh the ducks are four point favorites on si sportsbook uh so you know that's usually the the outlet that we use being uh you know over at ducks digest to to write our stories over under set at 58 um but what do we kind of think about those numbers mark i feel like uh I'm a little surprised that Oregon opened as the favorite, just seeing uh, the caliber of opponent that BYU played last week and, you know, how close of a game that was. But I think I'm I'm right on par with them as far as uh, the betters thinking that this is going to be a close one.
2: I agree. This is definitely going to be a close one. I'm also a little bit surprised that uh, Oregon is the favorite there just because of the f- fact that it's like you've had two games for the Ducks on both opposite ends of the spectrums. You get whipped by Georgia and then you whip uh, Eastern Washington and he got BYU that took um, the number 12 at the time, ranked Baylor Bears, and took them to double overtime and won. So uh, this is, yeah, going to be a very good game. I think it is going to be a close game. Uh, but I am definitely surprised that BYU is not, the, is not favored in this game, even if just by a little bit.
1: And then we got the over-under set at 58 points. Um, I think that that speaks you know, about the two solid offenses that we have coming into this one. Uh, Rob is going to talk a lot more about BYU and Oregon here. Um, but you know, BYU comes with a good quarterback, uh, some proven running backs, lots of talented options at wide receiver, even though they didn't have Gunnar Romney or Puka Nakua, their two top wideouts last week, uh, against Baylor. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about the latest on those guys and kind of how we think they factor into this one, but I think it should be a good matchup. And, um, I think this is a game that is going to kind of give us a better feel uh, about where Oregon's at, which kind of leads me into my first topic, our first topic. What is Oregon's identity right now heading into this game against the BYU Cougars?
2: I think they're still trying to figure that out. I think they're trying to figure out really what um, they've got with Bo Nix, um, really who they've got uh, to be maybe that star, bat, star running back or if they are going to continue with this running back by committee uh, style of play that we've seen the past couple of games. So I think Oregon's still trying to really figure that out. I think um, everyone's going to be waiting to see kind of what they come out with. Are they going to come out with more run heavy, or is it going to be much more kind of a pass happy offense? Because uh, we've heard Dan Lanning say uh, that the Ducks are looking uh, to create a lot more explosive plays, uh, He said he wants to turn those plays of 15 yards into plays of 30 yards. So we'll see if that's coming more in the style of of the run or in the style of the pass. I think that everyone's going to be wanting to see the pass, but we'll see what happens come Saturday.
1: Yeah, and I think that Oregon, even though they are kind of undergoing a little bit of an identity change with this new coaching staff, new coordinators on both sides of the ball, I I feel like they're going to be a run-first team. Um, I know that Dillingham's talked about wanting to have a balanced attack, um, you know, get guys in one-on-one matchups, but if the run's working, I feel like that's definitely going to be something that you want to lean on, especially, uh, since you don't necessarily know what you're going to get out of your quarterback on a game to game, uh, week to week basis. We're going to talk more about Bo Nix later in the show. Um, but I was watching some of that Baylor BYU game, Mark, and Baylor was able to run the ball, you know, relatively easily um against BYU and in, in that defensive front I'm not saying it's a bad or a weak defensive front but I bring that up to say that BY Baylor excuse me was able to uh really pound the rock against BYU and I think that that's going to go a long way in just helping this Oregon offense get into a rhythm we saw Bucky Irving kind of emerge as the the lead back or the feature back in terms of you know the number of carries but dude that that Oregon backfield looks really really promising you got guys that can contribute from top to bottom uh Byron Carwell uh scored rushing and receiving touchdowns last week Sean Dollars looks awesome after uh missing all of last season with an injury I remember that Byron Carwell and Spring Ball said that you know you couldn't tell that Sean had uh had you know gotten hurt at any point and he looks great and then you have uh Noah Whittington who comes in and scores a touchdown as well um you, you, you even had a uh, um, Kiloana Hasenritter, Hilo from Hilo, uh, getting his uh, first college touchdown after transferring over from Hawaii. We didn't see any of Jordan James, the, the freshman uh, out of uh, the state of Tennessee from the 2022 recruiting class. He led the team in carries against Georgia, but a little hard to take too much from that because it was such a, a blowout game. But I, I say all that, I, I think that it's like you're saying, it is still a work in progress what Oregon's identity is right now because they've had those two extremes. You test yourself with the best of the best with the national champ, the defending national champions on the road in Atlanta, or neutral site, if you want to call it that, but we all know it wasn't. Uh, and then you have uh, Eastern Washington, which usually has been pretty highly regarded as an FCS team, um, but I wasn't expecting it to be that much of a blowout. So um, from my end of things, it's a little bit hard to tell, you know, is that more good Oregon or is Eastern Washington maybe not what they were cracked up to be after, you know, a narrow win over Tennessee State the week prior?
2: Yeah, I think Oregon definitely is still yeah going through that identity crisis, and just for Oregon, just you you can't really judge this team off of just those two extreme, like you said, off those two extremes. You get what you get whacked, and then you hit back the next week. And uh, I also agree with you. I was not expecting, I wasn't expecting that game to be that bad. I thought it was, I thought Oregon was gonna win that game. I don't think it was gonna be that bad though, or that it would take that long for Eastern Washington to score. Um and yeah, Oregon's uh Oregon's running back room, like you said, looked great. We saw last week a lot of the guys uh get those those reps and a lot of guys get a lot of carries. I think was it two guys got nine, I think three got eight. Um a couple got seven as well, so you had a lot of uh, diversity amongst the running backs. And I think that could, if Oregon's looking to go more run heavy this week, I think that that's something that they could use to their advantage, be able to kind of mix it up, keep that BYU defense on their toes and try and keep the guys as fresh as they can be, uh, so that they can be, uh, able to contribute, uh, longer down the game, longer in the game and down the season.
1: Yeah, it's just, it just helps you too. You have that, that raw numbers advantage of just being able to have fresh bodies. Um, and and uh, it seems like, you know, lanny has been asked about the whole running back by committee approach and uh, it's, it's still a work in progress. And he was kind of saying, you know, if we have guys that we think can contribute, we're going to find ways to get them involved. Um, so yeah, it was a really solid effort at 263 rushing yards against Eastern Washington. Um, and then on a similar note in the passing game, Oregon's looking like they're, you know, set up to be a a much more effective passing team from last year. You have Eric here right on point talking about Terrence Ferguson, one of our offensive players of the game last week, only had three catches, Mark, but he had two touchdowns. uh, And one of them was, you know, bobbling the ball after the Eastern Washington defender, um, you know, had it hit off of his hands. And then he barreled over a couple guys in route to a touchdown. Uh, And then Cam McCormick got his first touchdown since forever, Spencer Webb's 18 in his first game back at Odson uh, after battling injury for quite some time. So I think you see the the running game looking promising, the tight ends looking to get more involved. Troy Franklin having a heck of a game with 10 catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Um, so it just feels like they have a lot of promising options, regardless of what position you're looking at, to really have guys step up and make an impact. And then if you can get guys, you know, blow these games wide open like they did against Eastern then you can see some of those younger guys like Ty Thompson, Jay Butterfield coming in. Kyler Casper got some snaps. Josh Connerly got some snaps. Uh, So I think that that would really uh, help this team if they are able to kind of blow things open against BYU. But this is really their last big, big test before things get going in conference play as a non-conference slate comes to an end here.
2: Yeah, I don't think that this game is going to get blown quite as wide open as that uh, Eastern Washington game. But I think definitely if towards the end Oregon has a comfortable lead, maybe they can bring in some more of those guys to uh, to try and get that ex- that experience but i think definitely that depth is going to be something that um that Delingham and lanning are going to really rely on in this off for this for this offense to really try and get something going
1: We've talked a lot about the offense. Let's just talk about the defensive identity a little bit right now, Mark. Uh, no turnovers against Georgia. Almost no positives uh, that you can really draw from that game on from a defensive standpoint. Um, you know, They talked about the perimeter just getting absolutely destroyed on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. Uh, open field tackling was a huge issue. Landings talking about open field is kind of where they're getting exposed as a defense right now. But they have a lot of depth at the interior defensive line, even after losing Popo Amavai to uh, a season-ending foot injury that required surgery. So I think that they still have that ability to be, you know, a tough, hard-nosed defense in the trenches. But they haven't proven that they can get after the quarterback on a consistent basis. Again, I think part of that comes with the two extremes that they've played so far this season. Um, But they've also played two teams that get the ball out pretty quickly. Uh, And Dan Lanning was asked about the pass rush, and he was saying that, I don't really care how many sacks we get. I care about how many wins we get. And then when we have the opportunity for sacks, we got to be able to finish those plays and uh, take advantage of those opportunities. And and I would tend to agree because that finishing plays has definitely been an area that Oregon struggled uh, for quite a while.
2: Absolutely. Looking at both those games, the Georgia game and the Eastern Washington game, just there was a lot of problems. There was a lot of problems tackling, a lot of high tackling, a lot of arm tackling. And that's not how you get somebody down in football. You have to, you got to, Tackle low. They always t- they always tell you that. I hear that all the time from pop Warner on up to pros. Tackle low. Don't try and get the guy up top. Get him down low. Um, and that is something absolutely that Oregon's going to need to do. Jaron um, Jaron Hall, uh, Hall, the BYU quarterback, he's he's coming in after that that big one. He's going to be confident. Um, and Oregon just needs to be able to rat. Or Oregon, I think, is just going to need to be able to rattle him. Uh, Hall was sacked uh, twice. Last week uh, against Bay- uh, from Baylor, and I think Oregon's going to need to chase at really chase after him, uh, get him uncomfortable, and just be more aggressive overall. Because yeah, we have, we haven't seen a lot of sacks really at all, if any. I think from this Oregon team so far, and especially as you're getting in towards conference play, you've got to be able to get after those get after the quarterback to potentially help swing momentum. Uh, in a big game, and this is certainly a game where that could come into play.
1: Yeah, they, they were able to get a pair of sacks, I believe, in week two against Eastern Washington, but, you know, like we said, a hard game to assess too much for uh, from, but they did get two takeaways. Bridges, quiz Bridges almost uh, returned it for uh, a touchdown and before he fumbled it uh, right before the end zone. So there, there you have it, just kind of where Oregon's identity is at right now heading into this game. Our next topic on the docket mark, what's on the line in number 25 Oregon versus number 12 BYU? Uh, this is definitely one of the best non-conference games uh, across the country in college football. Um, I think for this one, uh, just to take the BYU angle to switch things up a little bit, you know they're getting ready to head to the big 12 uh, you know in the near future here. They were undefeated against the Pac-12 last year, uh, but the best team that they beat was definitely Utah, the defending Pac-12 champions. Uh, but now they get a shot at one of the bigger dogs, one of the bigger names in, in uh, the Pac-12 with Oregon. So uh, especially after signing Kalani Sataki to a contract extension, I think that um, this is a prove-it game for them to show that they can show up and play in those big venues. They've played all across the country, uh, you know, USC, Tennessee – um so Auden's definitely a, a home crowd advantage and one of the toughest places to play in the country um and, and with that you know the 20 game home win streak uh you know I'm not saying it's definitely in jeopardy but uh that's another thing that's on the line in this game
2: Oh it's definitely um yeah absolutely could say that, that that it could potentially be in jeopardy because this is a BYU team that's absolutely no slouch this is a BYU team that is coming to play they are Absolutely, looking, looking to prove that they belong. I know I've been hearing talk of being like, "Oh, could BYU make the college football playoff?" Number one, I don't think so. Number two, uh, I think it's way too early to start having that kind of talk yet. Um, but I know BYU is definitely looking. Actually, both teams I think really are looking for that for respect nationally. I think BYU is looking to say it's like, hey, we're we're a good team. We are somebody we are somebody who can play with the with the big dogs, put some respect on our names. And I think Oregon is saying it's like, look, we just had two extremes. We beat up on an FCS team. We got beat by the national champs. But we are still a very we are still a very good team and we can still and we can still show that we can be a top team in this country.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I think also for BYU, Mark, I don't know if you've looked at their schedule, but that is a rough schedule. Uh, You know, obviously playing against Baylor uh, last week, that was a crazy game. Then you got Notre Dame in Las Vegas in in early October. Then you welcome Arkansas, play against Liberty, Boise State, and then you wrap up the regular season with Stanford. So they have a lot of tests on their schedule. And and I think that kind of like you were saying, they want to show that they don't it's you know they play big time football even though they're an independent as of right now but they you look across their roster man that they, they got some some 300 300 pound plus linemen on, on both sides of the ball so i don't think that they really resemble your typical independent team so i think that both of these teams are, are looking for some respect uh, i was on uh, ryan winter's show yesterday you know sports chat 503 we got a lot of uh, a lot of common uh, fans in, in our audiences that, that you know love the ducks and um we were talking about um, oh, shoot. I just totally had a brain fart. Give me a second here. Um, oh, about how, um, you know, it doesn't help you to schedule these cupcake teams. Um, I think that with, with the state of the pack 12 and where Oregon's at with their image nationally, you want to be tested by the best teams in the country. And I'm not saying that BYU's one of the best teams in the country. I mean, they're ranked 12th. They're certainly one of the best teams in the Western region. So I think that both of these teams are fighting for some respect. And uh, I think for Oregon, this would like almost seem like the first real win under Dan Lanning, because like we said, you know, 70 to 14, um, you know, not not a whole lot that you can take from that one. So I feel like this would be a statement win for either team, but in a way BYU's already gotten that when they took down Baylor last week, Oregon, they're still looking for that big signature win under Dan Lanning to start the year.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. You need that. You need that big win to really solidify. That start of the season for any new uh, coaching, uh, head coaching uh, staff, and like you said, Max, like for BYU, yeah, this this schedule is tough. Yeah, you got you played number nine Baylor next week. You come to Oregon this week. You have Notre Dame, Arkansas, uh, Boise Boise State, and then to top off the year, you got Stanford. So you're definitely that's definitely not a cupcake schedule and i think if and i think byu yeah they did have that senior win against baylor and they're going to be looking to build on that i think they're well aware of the fact that people are like oh beat some more good teams then we can talk about yeah maybe making the college football playoff and then for oregon it's like well we're still looking yeah for that signature win for dan Lanning, but also we're looking for the respect that that they think that they that they that they think that they deserve as the major Pac-12 team, uh, or as, like, yeah, basically the major last-standing Pac-12 team with SC and UCLA going to the Big Ten next year.
1: Yeah, and another point here, Mark, I think, like, this is going to really tell us where Oregon can go in in their season because I think that you could put BYU, you know, in the upper – quarter, upper third of the Pac-12, if you were to just plop them in this conference. I think, you know, USC, Utah, Oregon, Washington State, uh, Oregon State are some of the top teams right now through two weeks. But I think that BYU, you can make the argument that they're significantly better than most Pac-12 teams. And then what does Oregon have to do after they face BYU? They have to hit the road, go to the Palouse, and face Cameron Ward and the Washington State Cougars, who just knocked off uh, a ranked Wisconsin team on the road at Camp Randall in Madison. So I think this is a, a great time for this game to come. Uh, it's, it's definitely a test Oregon needs. And I think that if, if Dan Lanning can get the Ducks, you know, to win this game, it's going to show that, you know, hey, my team can hang around in these big games um, because that was one of the biggest storylines around that hiring mark is that Oregon feels like they're in their championship window right now. But when you have to go through another coaching transition, um, it's just hard to get that consistency but I feel like, and you guys can comment in the chat here, I feel like the expectation is at the very least a Pac-12 title and then Rose Bowls aren't enough. You're trying to make back to that uh, playoff uh, conversation.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, they they are definitely in, in win-now mode. I think getting Dan Lanning was, was for that win-now. I mean, if you're Dan Lanning, you just came off winning a national championship at Georgia where you were the defensive coordinator. And now you're... Coming into to build up another to build up another program that was already, I think, talent wise in a very good spot because Cristobal was a very uh, is a very good recruiter as is Lan- as is Lanning. So talent wise, yeah, you're in a very good spot, but also, yeah, you need to. I think for I think a lot of Oregon fans are saying it's like, oh, they can get to the Natty right now. Oh, they just got to do this, this, and this. It's like. That's not as easy as it sounds. And I do think that especially for hiring a coach like Dan Lanning, the expectation is at the very least, uh, I think the pack making the Pac-12 title ma- making the Pac-12 title game, I think winning that Pac 12 title game and going back to the Rose Bowl would be awesome. But I'm not really sure. I think once we see what Oregon's identity really is. And how everyone really gels together i think then we can kind of start talking more about that but i think as of right now we don't know but i think that this byu game could really be kind of like the yeah the proven game for really both these teams
1: yeah i think we're we're definitely seeing eye to eye on that just to give some final thoughts here i feel like some of the expectations for oregon fans too are to beat washington you get the huskies at home and Kalen DeBoer's first year uh, they kind of have a prove it game of their own this week against the Michigan state Spartans uh, who come to Seattle. Uh, Michael panic's going to face a, uh, you know, for a, a big 10 team after coming over from Indiana. Um, so we're going to kind of get a good feel for, for where that uh, Washington team is at as well. Um, you know, an offense that has struggled in, in recent years and they've definitely hung their hat on their defense, but Kaylin DeBoer is an offensive mind. One of the better offensive minds out West. Um, so kind of same, same deal there. So, I think that there's a, a pretty significant amount on the line here uh, for Oregon and BYU, especially when you think of college football. There's only so many games. You only play it once a week. Uh, so you really got to make the most of your opportunity uh, and, and on the field. Looks like you had something you wanted to add there, Mark.
2: Yeah. And one other thing is, if I'm not mistaken, Oregon's also playing Utah uh, at Autzen this year, which is going to be another enormous game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, it absolutely is. And they recruit the state of Utah pretty heavily. Yep. I saw yeah. someone comment that.
2: Yeah, I think uh so yeah, Oregon really yeah, gets the two big Utah teams. They get BYU this week, they get Utah later down the line, Utah kind of being or Utah being basically the class of the Pac-12 after beating Oregon twice last year, pretty badly too, both both times.
1: Yeah, so the Ducks are are fighting for some respect in the state of Utah. I don't know what their uh I wanna say it's the beehive state. I don't know what their state nickname is, um, but someone else can find that and throw it in the chat if they want. Uh, But next uh, topic we want to get to before we get to a break here. One of the biggest questions for Oregon going against BYU this week at Autzen Stadium, which Bo Nix will Oregon get against the Cougars? Uh, I think a lot of people after seeing his Oregon debut against Georgia, particularly those in SEC country, we're not super surprised. Bonus had struggled against Georgia in the three previous matchups, and uh, that was again the case. They're on two interceptions uh, against Georgia, and you know I'm not sure that those were you know game breakers because the offense was just struggling overall. But when you're going up against a team that that's that good, you your margin for error is so so small, and and Oregon was able to move the ball relatively well. Uh, you know, kind of here and there throughout the game, but they weren't able to finish drives. Dan Lennon talked about how that was a big issue. So you have that version of Bo Nix throwing two picks in the first game. Then he, you know, comes against Eastern Washington and and has a really, really good game, has as many incompletions as he does touchdowns Uh, throws for five touchdowns. The first duck to do that since Justin Herbert, 277 yards, and he didn't even play the whole game Uh, looked a little bit much more composed and, you know, comfortable, um, but, uh, we'll, we'll see if the BYU defense lets him get settled in. W- what do you think about this topic? I feel like it's going to go a long way in determining where this game ultimately, uh, shakes out.
2: It's going to absolutely. I think when you look at both those, both the Eastern Washington game and the Georgia game, Bo Nix, uh, and the Oregon offense, they did move the ball around decently well, but yeah, those, those interceptions were, were drive killers. And I do ultimately think that those were game killers because, Oregon had a chance on that first drive. Like they were they're going down the field. They're marching well, and they're getting real close to the red zone. Bonus throws an interception. A little later, you're driving, you're driving well, Move the ball. Bonus throws an interception. Uh, defenses, especially good defenses, and I think BYU. You can, yeah, you could say they have a good defense because you take down number another, uh, another highly ranked team in Baylor. Um, so I think if you're playing against a really good team, you can't afford to have those interceptions. And I think it just going to, it's going to come down to can Oregon, as Dan Lanning says, do simple better. That was something that I, I remember him saying at the presser after the Eastern Washington game is um, we did, we did simple better uh, against east against Eastern Washington. So, really getting back to those fundamentals is like the fundamentals, they're not the most exciting thing as we all know, but they're the thing that can end up saving your skin in a football game later down, later down the line. Um, so I think, I think it, yeah, it just depends on how Bo Nix comes out of the gate is, can he do that? The simple things. Well, get the ball moving, build that momentum for Oregon to build on and then get into the end, get into the end zone. But I do think, yeah, if he starts going out there, being kind of reckless and throwing, like, an interception or two, number one, that's not going to do very much good for your confidence. Number two, Oregon's going to probably lose the game if that happens. And number three, you're going to have all of Austin Stadium calling for Ty Thompson to come into the game.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, we did we did get to see Ty Thompson uh, last week, and we talked in our post-game show uh, earlier this week, or our final thoughts, rather, uh, man, Odson was just roaring when Ty Thompson came into that game, which was pretty cool to see. I mean, especially because the game was out of hand, and and that made sense. It was the smart move by the staff. Um,
2: I was but yeah, surprised I, it got that loud, though. Yeah, no, like we it, heard like yeah, we were both there. We heard how loud it got. I remember I was like, "Whoa, this was." I was not expecting that.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, with when when you have a quarterback that uh you know before uh before Dante Moore committed, he was the highest rated quarterback commit in program program history. Excuse me, got to catch myself for a program podcast. Um, people want to see him play, and Oregon played in so many close games last year. And then when they were getting blown out, they the previous staff wouldn't put him in. Um, so I think a lot of people want to draw a lot of storylines from that. But to get back to Bo, I think that. You just don't want to don't don't put it in the situation where like, you know, you need to have Bo win the game for you. I'm not saying he's not capable of that. We know how much playmaking ability he has. But I think from an Oregon perspective, I, I think you'd rather, you know, get the ball moving on the ground. That's why I said earlier in the show that that was such a key for them. If they can get that run game going, it'll really open up, I think, some different elements in the passing game. Uh, keep getting that chemistry with, with uh, Troy Franklin and, and Dante Thornton get Chase Cota involved. you got some huge tight ends that are going to be a, a threat for you, I think, in this game. So I think it's, you know, a combination, Mark, you know, do the simple things better, but also take some downfield shots, you know, but make them like calculator risk or, you know, put it in a, a spot where only your guy can get it. You know, don't be, don't be setting yourself up for, you know, for failure. If you're having some, some ugly throws out there, uh, you know, as my dad would say, you know, some wobblers, when we, when we played catch when I was growing up, it was definitely uh, some wobblers from my dad. So you want to have that ball coming out crisp, and uh, you know make some make some good reads. Don't stare down your primary read too much. I think that's one thing a big criticism that people have had uh, of uh, Bo Nix so far this season. So do the simple better. Take what the defense gives you, and uh, you know just put together some drives and finish some drives. And if that defense can get some takeaways, you got to you know put it on yourself as a quarterback as an offense. Hey. They got a takeaway for us. Now it's on us to finish it and put some points up on the board on the other end of the field.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Like Bo Nix, Bo Nix, we've seen him be able to make, be able to make those big plays. We've seen him be able to lead a big drive down the field. I mean, heck Oregon fans saw him do that against Oregon in his first start. He let like Oregon had that lead. And then, uh, Auburn was able to drive down the field and basically with that game yeah pretty much at the last minute um I remember watching that game uh that hurt definitely but um but yeah Bo Bo has to step up as the QB um I think he knows that he knows what the expectation is and you know I think he he also knows the thought that's been happening about him and Ty him and Ty Thompson I think I think this is honestly a game where he can really silence the critics and say, it's like, Hey, I had a bit of a, r- Hey, I had a rough start game one. I could have like, you could say that I maybe step out a little in the game two. This is the game where Bodex really steps up, I think.
1: Yeah. And in that rough debut, it was against probably a top three top four defense in the country. So it's like, you can only, you can't knock a guy too much for that. But to go to your point, I think this is a game where he can, you know, show why this Oregon staff wanted him, you know, flash some of that playmaking ability, show that he has been a three year starter in the SEC, um, and that he should be prepared for, you know, big matchups like this. So I think that uh, this is definitely a prove it game for Bo Nix and, and one that he can use to, to kind of propel himself, uh, you know, in the right direction and, and get some good positive momentum and confidence heading into that wazoo matchup to open Pac 12 play.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. When you when you play in probably the best conference in football in football, that does repair you. And kind of speaking to Georgia, that's not a top three defense. I think that's a top one defense because Alabama showed maybe not the top defense after almost losing to uh, to Texas, the to Texas by one point.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Alabama got a little bit exposed last week. That was definitely a, a really fun one to watch. Wonder what it would have looked like if uh, Quinn Ewers didn't get banged up in that one. We're going to take a quick break here on the Ducks Dish podcast, and then we're going to take more uh, of an in-depth look at BYU and kind of some of the weapons that they have on both sides of the ball. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Ducks Dish podcast. We've got more Duck football talk for you after this.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: All right, welcome back to the Ducks Dish podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres. That's my guy, Mark Wang, and we are breaking down Oregon versus BYU in our Ducks Dish preview podcast. And the next big question that we're going to hit on today, can Oregon contain BYU quarterback Jaron Hall? Uh, we've seen a lot of you guys uh, in the chat. You've been incredibly active. Appreciate the engagement there, kind of uh, getting a good feel for where you guys are at, what's interested, what you guys are interested in uh, ahead of this matchup. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a huge key for Oregon, right? I think that's where that's where the uh, you know the offense starts for for BYU. And I think this is the best overall quarterback that Oregon uh, has faced so far this season. I think that Stetson Bennett has definitely proven a lot of doubters wrong, and uh, is definitely in the conversation as one of the better quarterbacks in the country. I think a lot of people are gonna kind of slight him for the immense amount of skill talent that Georgia has. Um, but he's, he's shown why he's a veteran quarterback. And I think that he's going to, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in the Heisman race, um, you know, later this season, because he's playing really well. And Georgia is going to be that good of a team, but let's bring it back to Jaron Hall. I think he's a really versatile guy can really hurt you with his arm or his legs. Um, definitely takes more deep shots than we saw uh, last week against Eastern Washington from, from Gunnar Talkington. And with that, I think Oregon has a little bit more of an opportunity to step up in their pass rush and and really try to get him to the ground. But DJ Johnson was talking earlier this week how it's kind of a little bit of an extra challenge going up against a guy like Jaron Hall, who can really hurt you with his legs because just because you beat a tackle doesn't mean that the play is over. you still got to get that guy to the ground. Uh, What are some of your early thoughts here, Mark, on uh, Oregon facing off against Jaron Hall?
2: Yeah, he's definitely the most versatile quarterback that um organ has faced so far. I mean since Bennett, no scrub, no scrub there. He's a national champ, he's a national championship quarterback. Um but I can see why people um or I can see to your point why people would say it's like, oh, he's just that good because of all that t- all that talent that's on the Georgia team. I disagree. I think he is a really really good court. he is a really good quarterback um that also just happens to have a lot of help. Um, and I do think, yeah, he will be in the Heisman conversation. I think if he's not, that is disrespectful to him, um, especially if he continues to have a good season like he has been. But that's a discussion for another time. Uh, Jaron Hall, at least from looking at the stats from this ba- from this Baylor BYU game, you know he's he's a real solid guy. Hurts you with the, hurt you with the legs. You know, averages two point eight yards a kick yards uh for rushing uh with a long of 30 of 13 i'm not uh, and uh in total got uh netted 28 uh, yards rushing gained 41 lost 13 for that total of 28 and then passing wise 23 of 39 for one touchdown no interceptions uh and a long of 30, and a long of 37 so he's a guy that yeah i can hit, hurt you with the deep ball hurt hurt you with his legs too and oregon has to get him on the ground i think definitely. Uh, what we've seen so far this season from the ducks, both in that Georgia game in that Eastern Washington game. And I kind of mentioned it earlier is this, this is a team that hasn't really been tackling very well, or at least when they have been tackling, it's like, it's been a lot of upper body tackles. It's been a lot of arm tackles. And like when you're playing against good teams and we saw this in the Georgia game, when you play against a good team and you're not tackling well, they're going to run all over. They're going to run all over you. I mean, Heck, there was at least one play. There was that one tackle in the Georgia game that basically got turned into a meme, pretty much because it was such a bad tackle. Are you talking about Darnell Washington? At least, so, yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. So they're gonna they're gonna have to sharpen that up, without a doubt. Um, and I think that another big takeaway for me after watching Jaron Hall against Baylor, they're gonna stretch the field, man. And, and Dan lanning talked about that that they're one of the better teams that's gonna test you vertically. Um, because jaron hall had some really impressive throws into some tight windows against the baylor bears and that's no slouch of a defense you know Dave rand is one of the the better defensive minds in college football i think he's established himself as that um and byu was even without some of their top receivers who we're going to talk about here pretty soon um and jaron hall had no problem you know distributing the rock keanu hill chase roberts had some really nice grabs, uh, you know, on the sideline, a couple toe taps. Um, so Jaron Hall is a guy who he, maybe he relies on his legs too much at times, you know, that he had a couple that he tried to throw away that, uh, you know, were ultimately ruled as sacks uh, against Baylor last week. Um, but he can definitely, uh, you know, escape uh, if, if they, you know, break, he can definitely break contain with some of these edge guys. Uh, if Oregon isn't careful Um, and another thing with Jaron Hall, just to comment on his versatility, Mark, they had a double pass in that game and, uh, Jaron Hall had a receiving touchdown. You know, he got the ball on the right side of the field and then he just had a convoy of Cougars. Um, that's some cool alliteration, uh, led by Kingsley, Sue Mataya, the former five-star Oregon offensive lineman, uh, leading the way for him into the end zone. So I think that he's just really athletic. He's not an easy guy to bring down. Uh, he's good at uh, keeping his eyes down the field. That's something that Dan Lanning talked about. Uh, I think that that's where these dual threat guys can really hurt you, is because you think that they're committed to the run one moment, and then they're still behind the line of scrimmage, and they're able to, you know, uh, hit you with a deep shot down the field. So I feel like this will be the best test for Oregon's front seven from a quarterback standpoint, making sure that they're disciplined, not over pursuing. And then, like Dan Lanning talked about earlier this week, when you have those sack situations, when you're able to capitalize, get that guy on the ground. And uh, you know, get you know, get get some hits on him early. I think that's going to be really important too for this Oregon front seven. Uh, even if you're not getting sacks, you just got to get some hits on that guy to let him know, you know, send that message. It's not going to be easy, um, you know. And we're going to be here all day. So for Oregon's sake, they're definitely hoping they can uh, be regulars in the backfield this week.
2: Yeah, they need to get after uh, Jaren, they need to get after Jaron Hall, show some aggressiveness, and be able to send that to send that message clear. And also, I think for or for Oregon, it's like this is a game that the secondary is going to need to step to step up. You see the comment from uh Dennis from Dennis Hill, uh from, from Dennis here. Um they, that secondary is gonna need to step that that secondary is going to need to step up big uh in order to uh, make make life difficult for Hall down the down the field if they can lock down some of those uh wide receivers for B- for BYU. But also, yeah, the def- the, the front zone just got to get in Hall's face. They have to be able to, t- they have to be able to to capitalize on those opportunities and they have to finish the plays because if they don't finish the plays, it's going to be a long day.
1: Yeah. Any, any final thoughts here on uh, Jaron Hall, before we go to our next topic here?
2: All I can say is just Oregon's got to be ready for him, Plain and simple. Yeah. Um, is BYU is BYU like known as like the national powerhouse that Oregon has been traditionally, maybe not, but that means you can't, uh, don't disrespect that. Don't disrespect uh, the quarterback uh, like that, like that. And just be like, Oh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We're or for Oregon to say, it's like, Oh, we'll be fine. We're at home. It's um, not always the case. Not always the case. Uh, if you, I think teams have shown in the past, it's like you disrespect them like that they'll show up and give you a beat down. I don't think this game is going to be a total beat down, but I think Oregon has to be on their toes.
1: All right. Our next topic on the show, we're going to talk about the secondary. One of the big questions for BYU and then this Oregon defense, as we're heading into this matchup, will Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney play versus Oregon? I think this is one of the biggest questions uh, right now, uh, seeing, that, um, seeing that they didn't play last week. Um so that's going to be that's going to be pretty big uh for just BYU to see what they can do um from an offensive standpoint but their passing attack didn't slow down after not having both of these guys available against Baylor uh you know to get people up to speed uh Puka Nakua had an ankle injury in the opening in the opener against South Florida and um we actually did hear from the passing game coordinator Fesi Sataki um he was talking about both of these guys uh, both of them being Nakua and Gunnar Romney, saying that they're a game time deal. Both receivers have been practicing and doing individual drills. Also some additional context here, some background information that I think is worth noting. Uh, Romney's injury is, quote, a non-football injury. Um, and then Aaron Roderick, the offensive coordinator on Monday, said that he's ready to go, just waiting for clearance. So I think that it's probably more so looking like they're going to play uh, this week for BYU, and that's going to be a big test for uh, the Oregon secondary because I don't think they were really tested against Eastern Washington um, from from the from a pass defense perspective. And then, like I said earlier in the show, BYU had a lot of other guys that, that showed up really early and made an impact. Chase Roberts, a true freshman, eight catches for 122 yards and a touchdown. Keanu Hill, Cody Epps. BYU has weapons, and Oregon's de- secondary is going to have to be ready to defend them. Uh, I think, you you know, you get a little bit more confidence in Christian Gonzalez as your CB1 and then TriQuest Bridges getting both of those guys get interceptions. But I think that you just want to see more than any other group, maybe on that defense. You want to see the secondary playing with a load of confidence. You want to see them being physical. Uh, you want to see them, you know, not having any mental lapses. Um, but I think that the secondary is going to be a huge role, uh, much more so this week against BYU than last week against Eastern Washington.
2: If Nakua is up game time decision and he didn't play last and didn't play last week, I would be very surprised if he doesn't play uh, this week. If he doesn't play this week, Uh, you you know, football players, they have that dog in them. They want to go out. They want to compete. And he know, and I'm almost certain he's a, he's a big, if, if he's a, if he knows, he knows that this is a big game. Uh, Sorry. Lost my train of thought there. Uh, He knows this is a big game. He knows that uh, BYU is looking for that respect. He's going to go out there and play Romney. As long as he gets that clearance, he plays, two, he plays two, And yeah, if, I mean that the Oregon secondary we've seen this year has, has been definitely a bit of a, a, a sore spot really the entire year. Like against Georgia, against Georgia. They got straight exposed against Georgia. Stenson Bennett just went crazy. And that even against Eastern Washington, you know, uh, Eastern Washington was able to get a lot, was able to get quite a few deep balls back behind that uh, that defense. And granted, Oregon defense was able to step up later and shut down the and shut down the drives. Uh, given that Eastern Washington only scored 14 points, but still, if you're a defense and you're in, a, in that kind of a blowout, you can't be taking your foot off the gas to be like, oh, it's okay, we can let them score a little bit. Given a football team, even one play, really to To get their confidence back can be huge, and I think in, in Oregon's case this week they can't let BYU get that con- get that confidence going. Otherwise, uh, they're going to be in really for a for a big for a for a tough game.
1: Yeah, and I think that Oregon secondary has kind of been a question mark for me dating back to spring ball. Looking at the spring game tape, I don't think that anybody was overly impressive in that game. Um, but they, they do have some decent depth there, particularly at the safety group. I think you're a little bit more experienced there. Uh, Julio Florence and Julio Tucker have, uh, been seeing some decent snaps, uh, Florence more so I think in kind of, you know, quality game reps, uh, than Tucker, but he was there for spring ball. So I think that's to be expected, but Dante Manning, another guy that I think has a lot of expectations still in front of him. I think Brian Addison has been getting some more reps this year as one of the bigger, stronger safeties for Oregon. Excuse my throat's getting drier. But Brian Addison's going to be, uh, I think, a contributor for Oregon. Steve Stevens, Bennett Williams. I think the question just becomes, Mark, you know, when when can this Oregon secondary get to a consistent group and maybe not need to rotate as much? Because I think that there's a very fine line, or maybe a distinction is a better word, between you know, we have so many talented guys, so we can rotate people in here and there, versus we're still trying to figure out what works here and we don't know quite the right combination just yet. And I'm not saying Oregon's in one or the other. But now that you're getting up to week three, I think you want to feel a little more confident about which guys you can put out in which situation. Um, I think to get a little more technical, I want to say they got both of their interceptions in the dime last week. So maybe you're feeling a little bit more comfortable rolling the dime package out there against BYU this week.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you're at this point, I I think really, yeah, this would be the game for Oregon that you have to be able to really start Solidifying that because when you're heading into Pac-12, when you're heading into pack 12 play, that's when you're really hitting on all, hitting on all cylinders, playing your best football against your conference op- against your conference opponents. Like, I think yeah, Oregon needs to. I think if, if there's any game really to be able to figure it to to figure it out in, it's this game. You're playing a really good opponent, your last opponent before Pac-12 play. It's not the first week. It's not the first week. You're now in the third week of the season. I do think that uh, that Oregon can start really figuring it out or not, if not coming close enough to be able to in this next week of practice, being able to hammer, to really hammer out the, the fine details.
1: Yeah. And I think another significant point here, that's worth mentioning that we've talked about a little bit, we've seen a lot of uh, comments about it. I think that, how the secondary looks is going to be dependent to a degree on the pass rush because Oregon's pass rush has not been where it needs to be this season so far, but you have a lot of capable guys there. Um, it almost feels like, I feel like with their, all their experience, maybe you want to see some more of that push coming from the interior that lets some of those middle guys or inside guys like, uh, you know, Flo Sewell, Jeff Bassa, you know, fly in there through the middle. But uh, I know that DJ Johnson someone that has a lot of expectations on his shoulders Mace Funa, Braden Swinson. So we're just going to have to see if, if they can take a stride forward this year and, and, and this game in particular and, uh, you know, get some QB hurries at least uh, and, you know, capitalize on some of these sack opportunities. But if they're getting pressure on the quarterback, Mark, then that takes a lot of, uh, you know, pressure off of the defensive backs because they're not being asked to cover for, uh, you know, such long periods of time. So I think it's, it's a little early to, to, you know, judge any one group on this team but I feel like we'll have a much better sample size. Once we get through this game, you have three weeks of tape that you can go back and evaluate on, whether that be in practice or in games. So uh, I think we've, you know, had some fair criticism for, for, you know, kind of all three levels of of the defense Um, and and they're going to need to, uh, you know, try to just keep improving that, that continued measure of growth. But if Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney are uh, available, I think that that's a a huge advantage for uh, BYU, you know, getting a good boost to their offense and, uh, you know, some more guys that Oregon's going to have to key in on, uh, on their defensive game plan. And, and I think that they'd be wise to probably be doing that throughout the week, figure that you got to, you know, assume that they're going to be playing uh, and then, you know, maybe you catch a break and they don't, but it looks like they're going to be this week.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Always assume, assume that somebody's going to be playing unless like it's already been ruled out. And then for Oregon, yeah, this is, this is it. You got to, this is your last chance before packed of Play. If there's a time to step up, it's now.
1: All right. Uh, our last topic that we want to hit on in today's uh, episode of the Ducks Dish podcast, we've talked a whole lot about Oregon's offense and defense and BYU's offense, we haven't really talked about the BYU defense. Let's examine the BYU defense and kind of what they present for Oregon. Um, I think that one thing that really stands out that kind of I saw right away when I was doing some research for this episode. Just looking at that front line, Mark, that that defense, they don't look like your typical independent team. You know, they they've got a lot of guys that that are you know pushing that three hundred mark, the three bills, uh, as I like to say. And uh, four guys were able to get sacks uh, against Baylor, and that's a, a pretty solid offensive line. So, um, you know, I talked a little bit about how Baylor was able to get what they wanted a little bit in the run game. But um, it seemed like they were a little bit susceptible uh, to the BYU pass rush. Um, I know for Oregon and their offensive line, we're still waiting, in, waiting to see if uh, if Ryan Walk and Stephen Jones are going to play um, after Ryan Walk missed last week, and then Dan letting said on Wednesday we'll see if Stephen Jones is available. Um, but this BYU pass rush looks like it, uh, you know, could definitely uh, give give Oregon a little bit of issues here if they're not uh, coming prepared to uh, defend Bo.
2: Absolutely, yeah, that uh that now is where that offensive line experience comes in. These guys played three been playing three seasons together. That's a solid offensive that's a solid offensive line. If Oregon's if they're not prepared um for that pat, for that rush, um yeah, Bo's going to get Bo's going to get hit. Bo's going to get rattled and then that'll be a long day uh for that'll be a very long day uh for the Oregon Ducks uh out there at out there at yeah, when you get four when you get four sacks uh, against a good offensive line against a good offensive line that's always a good sign and just uh, they've had a very good they've had a good um, they've had a good defense so far so far um good defensive showing at least from looking at the stats Max Tooley, 13 tackles last week seven unassisted six assisted uh, Ben Bywater 11 11 sacks. Three unassisted, eight assisted. Also got that. Also got one of those four sacks uh, against B, against Baylor, and then uh, Amon Hanneman, uh, eight uh, eight total tackles as well. So Oregon's got to come. Pre- Oregon has to be prepared uh, for a for an aggressive defense.
1: Yeah. And just to keep, you know, hitting on some names uh, you talked about Ben Bywater. He had a sack against Baylor was the leading tackler for the Cougars in 2021. He's back this year. He looked great against Baylor uh, had eight and a half tackles for loss to lead the team in 2021. Uh, And then staying on that defensive front, you got Caden Hawes, six foot two 320 pounds, sophomore, John Nelson, six foot four, 275 pounds, sophomore. Then Tyler Batty is back, the sack leader from 2021. And then looking at that secondary, they have some guys that are pretty capable contributors as well. You have Malik Moore, who had uh, the team leading four interceptions, I believe it was, from a year ago. And then a couple more guys that uh, this is a group, Mark, that's capable of getting their hands on some some of these passes. Uh, Both Jacob Robinson and D'Angelo Mandel had four pass breakups in 2021. Um, So I feel like perhaps more than anything, BYU's got a lot of experience uh, really on their side. And uh, I think with that, has to be some continuity, right? We talked about Kalani Sataki signing that extension, but that's another thing that they have um, that Oregon doesn't necessarily have. I don't think it's going to be uh, a, a game breaker necessarily, but we, you, and I both know how uh, how much it helps to to have that continuity, uh, both from a staff perspective and from a personnel perspective. And I think BYU's defense certainly checks both of those boxes.
2: It won't be a game breaker, but it's certainly gonna, but it will certainly help. And also, another thing, kind of about that uh, BYU defense. Uh, Baylor got held to just 50 on third down convert, on third down conversions, nine of 18 against the Cougs. Granted, BYU didn't do much better; they only got th- they had three of four they had three of 14. But also on those fourth down and then on fourth down conversions, uh, Baylor going one for two going one for two. So having that experience, having that continuity, and just having that aggression is going to I think going to be a key factor. Uh, For BYU.
1: Yeah, and Mikey G is saying here that the tight ends need to be in the mix for this one. Could not uh, agree more. And then Andrew saying here, T. Fur can be a great safety valve for for Bo Nix. So I think that uh, you know BYU, their defense is is probably a group that's fighting for some more respect in this one. And uh, I think that they have the, the players to make it happen, uh, whatever level of the defense you're looking at. But I think for this game, a lot of people want to be focusing on the physicality, and, and that really ultimately starts in the trenches. So, um, you know, BYU's offensive line has been highly touted, uh, and then Oregon's defensive line has some capable bodies there. Uh, and then, you know the, the, you know, the respect goes both ways. You know, BYU's uh, defensive line is going to give uh, Oregon a pretty good test, I think. So we'll have to see if those pieces are able to come back um and play this week uh talking about Ryan Walk and then we'll see if uh if uh Steven Jones is available um and then Jackson Powers Johnson made his return last week and got some good reps uh you know with some of the uh you know upper tier guys on on this uh, offensive line so i think BYU's defense is is definitely uh, about as capable of a group that that Oregon's going to face this season in Pac-12 play and the Ducks got to be ready for him
2: Absolutely, this is. I think, yeah, a good preview before Pac-12 play. Before you go on the ro- on the road for your first big road uh, conference play of the of the year out on the Palouse.
1: Yeah, that's gonna that's gonna be a fun game for sure. Um, let's see. We got about five minutes left. Maybe we can take a couple looks at these comments. Mark, what do you say? Absolutely. Let's take a look. All right. Let's see. So, gonna try to get to some of these. Um, let's see. Uh, Mikey G says, I think we see good bow if he's able to build confidence. Bad bow seems to try to overcome mistakes by forcing big plays and backfiring. So let him flourish by giving him easier reads. Yeah, I think that that is you know some of the some of the issues that you see kind of pop up. You know, playing hero ball is is one way you could describe it. Um, but I think that uh, if they can get the offense rolling early, uh, maybe the defense comes with a takeaway to get them some good field position. Uh, I think that could go a long way, and and yeah, call on some of those easier plays. And we saw them do a lot of screens in that Georgia game, where, you know, some quick, quick passes, quick to intermediate, short routes. Uh, so I think that uh, that's definitely going to be a key for Oregon is to get get Bo that confidence
2: early. I agree. It's like what Lenny said, and like uh, what I mentioned earlier in the show: do simple, but do simple better. Don't overcomplicate. Don't overcomplicate things. Don't make Bo have to play hero ball. You can win that game.
1: Absolutely. Let's see. Uh, Andrew asks, wait, is Gus on the call? Nope. Uh, because it's a Fox game. Uh, Gus Johnson is not on the call, um, which honestly I'm kind of happy about because I feel like that dude does not like calling Oregon games. I remember that game against USC uh, when maybe he wanted USC to win and he was just calling it super flat. But Gus Johnson's a GOAT for sure. I'm just saying I'd I think him. that you can definitely see some of the national bias against Oregon uh, when he calls those games. So just to give you guys a, a, a little um, – you know, programming update. Uh, the play-by-play is going to be Jason Benetti. Analyst is Brock Heward, And then the sideline reporter is Allison Williams. So that's some of our, some of our, uh, you know, people that we got on the broadcast on Saturday.
2: And for Oregon fans, anybody who knows the name Brock Heward knows the pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Former, former Husky, right? Yep. All right. Let's see what else we got here. Um, Eric says, Bo next needs to be our Geno Smith. Just keep it simple. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would liken them uh, this weekend. Yeah. I don't know if I would liken them exactly the same level, but uh, I mean, a lot of people were counting Seattle out in that game or even the whole season because, you know, they traded Russell Wilson and don't have a lot of good options, but I think just keeping it simple is, is definitely going to go a long way. Like we've talked about here. Um, Let's see if there's anything else before we can, before we get out of here. Warren's asking about the weather forecast for Eugene. Uh, let's, let's see if we can figure that one out unless he's already looked it up. It was a smoky, smoky day, uh, last weekend, but right now it's looking
2: out my window. It looks pretty nice. It looks pretty nice out right now. It doesn't look too smok. doesn't really look, uh, too smoky. So I think we should be, uh, in the clear weather from the looks of it has been actually starting to cool down finally up here.
1: Yeah. So 65 and cloudy is the uh, forecast for Saturday. Got a 1235 kick uh, for the ducks at Austin. Last one we're going to hit on here, Mark. Uh, Dennis says, I was just glad to see Ty get some actual game reps. That can only help his confidence. If he gets his number called, could not agree more with this. I think he, I mean, for as talented of a quarterback as he is, you know, you're not going to get developed by standing on the sideline. So he's, you know, and you can say that for any quarterback, right? You know, it's so hard to, to see the field early as a quarterback in college football. Um, there's only a handful of guys that, you know, they get thrown into the fire and they just, you know, flourish. Um, I mean, you could call Justin Herbert, one of those guys, but I mean, it was a four and eight season. He got thrown in, in that 70 to 21 beatdown. down. Um, so I, I don't know, but I think, yeah, like it's, I'm, I'm I was encouraged to see Ty get some snaps. Uh, hopefully Oregon can put some other games away this year so that he can continue to get some, some of those reps that he needs to, you know, reach his full potential. I
2: agree. I agree with that. Getting those, those live reps is absolutely one of the most important things uh, as a quarter, as a quarterback that you can get. And yeah, I agree. Hopefully if, um, if Oregon is able to put some of these games away, even against, yeah, some of the lesser packable teams, you can get those, or he can get those reps further down the line. I don't know if he'll be the, starter presumptive next year of Bo Nix or Dante Moore just because college football just has gotten, especially since COVID college football, got a whole heck of a lot more complicated.
1: Yeah, that, that it did. Uh, just to get my final thoughts here, Mark, before we get out of here. Um, yeah. Just to kind of summarize it. It's a prove it game for Oregon. No doubt about it. Um, after having, you know, the two games that they've had, we'll get a much better test of where Oregon can ultimately land, um, you know, this season. Uh, with with BYU being, uh, I think, much better than a majority of the Pac-12 teams. That said, the Pac-12 has had a pretty solid start to the year. Um, you know, just from a record standpoint, not that they're going out and playing a bunch of amazing teams, but uh, obviously Utah had that that narrow loss uh, at the Swamp. Really wish they would have been able to win that game. Just for the Pac-12, um, USC looks like they're you know showing some promise off to a two zero start after getting that win over Stanford last week. Uh, I talked about that game against Fresno state coming up this weekend. I think they might be on upset alert just because Jake Hayner is that guy. He's like my favorite West coast quarterback to watch. You could say. Um, So I think that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see a little bit more. We're going to learn a whole lot more about the PAC 12 this week. And just to give uh, a quick shout out to my PAC 12 podcast uh, that is, is out now my week three, uh pac preview and picks. So go over to the Takeover Sports Network YouTube channel. I'll make sure to share that on my uh, Twitter. But any final thoughts from you, Mark? Oh, can you hear me, Mark? We think you might be lagging a little bit.
2: Yeah, you were breaking up a little bit there. Um, can you hear me? Just any final thoughts. Yeah, I can hear you. Any final
1: thoughts on this one?
2: Um final thoughts at least for me um I agree this is a prove it game for Oregon um if I think it's going to be a, a rough go of the season the rest of the way if they lose this if they lose this game and kind of get expo- and get exposed this is going to be a good game this is going to be a close game I think um uh, so I'm very exci- I'm very excited for this game maybe not excited for the early wake up call uh that morning but uh, other than that, that should be good. I'll just make sure to get extra coffee that morning.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. No, we were, we were talking about slamming coffee in the, the press box, and I'm sure I'll be having some coffee of my own uh, on Saturday. Uh, but if you guys want to find more, if, if you guys want to find more of Mark, you can follow him on Twitter, at MarkW2016. He's also going to be rolling out more stories over on Ducks Digest, um, and he's going to be at the game along with our guy, Graham Metzger. Uh, Scott Bull our photographer is going to be back in Eugene for that game at Autzen Stadium probably you know he's the best in the business in my eyes Scott's always got great stuff um, so if you want to find more of me you can follow me on Twitter at mtaurus sports that name right there on your screen mtaurus sports and if you're watching here live on YouTube do me a favor take a second out of your day like the video and subscribe to the channel at Oregon Football Max Taurus is where you can find me on YouTube and then make sure to check out our stuff our stuff our written content over on ducksdigest.com and share the show, share the Ducks Dish podcast with your friends, family, and other duck fans. That'll do it for myself, Max Torres. That's Mark Wang. Thank you guys so much for listening, watching, and supporting. And we will catch you guys in the next episode of the Ducks Dish podcast.